welcome. You are listening to OPOD's Occupational Health Podcast. This is a podcast series by the Occupational Health Clinics for Ontario Workers, where we discuss the challenges of current and emerging trends in occupational health and offer effective prevention strategies to empower workers. Welcome to all our listeners to this podcast on welding, the first in a series. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Sonia Lau, and I'm an occupational hygienist with the Occupational Health Clinics for Ontario Workers Toronto Clinic. I am a certified industrial hygienist and a Canadian registered safety professional. I'm accompanied by my colleagues who are both sitting in two different cities. One's in Windsor and one is in Hamilton. So welcome, James. Thank you, Sonia. So I'm James, and I am also here with Masood Ahmed, and he's also a certified industrial hygienist and a Canadian registered safety professional, and he's been with OCAL for about 15 years now. So Sonia, how many years experience do we all have together? So altogether, we bring our audience 55 years of experience in the field of clinical occupational hygiene, health, and safety. That's a whole lot. (laughs) We're really excited to share with you information on welding and the hazards and controls around this critical and respected occupation. According to Carex Canada, 333,000 Canadian workers are exposed to welding fumes. IARC, otherwise known as the International Agency for Research on Cancer, has declared welding fumes and UV radiation as a group one carcinogen, meaning Exposure to welding fumes can cause cancer. Around the world, we have about 11 million welders who are directly exposed to welding fumes and about 110 million workers who are indirectly exposed. What does this mean? This means that even if you don't have the job title of being a welder, but you might stand next to one or you work next to some welders in your workspace, you could be exposed to welding fumes, just like secondhand smoke, if that gives you a better analogy. So the information we will be sharing with you today in this series is important to understand in order to protect ourselves in workplaces where there is welding and spaces where we weld in and items we weld on. So why is this a topic we want to discuss? Large number of workers are directly and indirectly exposed, as we've already stated, and health effects are critical to understand and prevent. Look around us in the world we live. Without welders and the end products they produce for us, we wouldn't have planes, trains, and automobiles, for example, benches, roller coasters. There's so many things. Think of it, name it. It's probably been welded together. Anyhow, you get my point. Around the world, if we didn't have welders and this respected occupation, we wouldn't have the things that we depend on. So welding and our welders around the world are extremely important to us, and so is their health. If I may interject, Sonia, the statistics you presented from IARC are staggering, but we also know that in many countries, there is no robust databases. So the number they're presenting is an underestimation of the actual situation. In other words, what I'm trying to say is the the actual population of workers who are impacted by welding fumes are much larger than being mentioned in different reports. Yes, I agree, Masood. Thanks for bringing that up. Good points, guys. All right. So uh, I'm going to start off with talking about some of the health and safety hazards that come along with welding. So if I categorize those, um, we can look at chemical hazards, ergonomic hazards, physical hazards, and general safety hazards. 
So when it comes to chemical hazards, we can talk about things like working with flammable products, compressed gases, asbestos being present, and the actual fume that's created by doing the actual welding. So we can talk about metallic oxides, silicates, or fluorides. The fumes themselves consist of metal or other materials such as the flux and solvents which are heated above boiling points. Ergonomic hazards are present during welding, and it first starts off with lifting and moving objects, and then comes in the awkward postures that are held for a period of time. There's also the heavy welding equipment. Repetitive movements are included there as well. Some safety hazards include working at heights, confined spaces, and there's also electrocution hazards. When it comes to physical hazards, welders can be exposed to high noise levels, which can lead to hearing loss. And there's also extremes in temperature, electromagnetic fields, radiation, and lasers. That's just a brief overview of some of the hazards. Masood, do you want to give us a rundown of some of the health hazards? Yeah, sure. It's a very wide topic, James, you have given me. As you know, that uh, welding fume is is a complex mixture and it can cause uh, many different kind of uh, adverse health effects and diseases. But to make it simple, I'm going to explain it in uh, the health effects could be acute health effects or chronic health effects, right? So uh, talking about acute health effects, what jumps in my mind is the metal fume fever. It is flu-like uh, symptoms, uh, which appears uh, after the end of the day or end of the week, and it goes in cycles. So when there's an exposure, it the symptoms appears, and over the weekend, the symptoms goes away. So uh, in the beginning, a welder can think it may be a seasonal flu or cold, but uh, when it doesn't go away in, in a long run, then one should you know start thinking along the lines of it could be metal fume fever. It is usually from the welding fumes in general, but zinc metal is the one in the metal fume mixture which is uh, directly connected to the metal fume fever, whether it's in the welding metal fumes or whether it is in the grinding dust. Zinc is usually known to cause metal fume fever. Another health condition which which is getting a lot of attention these days is welders' lungs. What it is, is it's a condition which makes welders more susceptible for uh, pneumococcal pneumonia, which is a bacterial infection. Another uh, thing which can be a serious uh, adverse health effects is asthma. But the scientific studies are not very clear on if it is caused by welding fumes or not. But there are a lot of studies which can which says that asthma is caused by welding fumes. And then there is uh, different kind of irritations in throat and respiratory tract and, and in lungs, which are characterized by dryness of throat, coughing and chest tightness. And then there are chronic effects from uh, the welding exposure to like different kind of cancers, which we will talk about later on in this discussion. But the the question is how one uh, raise a red flag that uh, the workers are now exposed, they have different kind of adverse health effects. Uh, What do you think, Sonia? What can be done? So I was going to intercept when you're speaking about the irritation to the eyes, nose, or throat. Workers feel dizziness or nausea. The direction is to leave the area and inform supervision as soon as possible because there are issues with these types of exposures, especially if you are not protected from them, meaning you could be a bystander to a welder, meaning you're not a welder, but you work near one and you're having these symptoms. You need to get help. Uh, You need to take yourself away from that situation as soon as possible because it's likely that the carbon monoxide, which is formed in the arc in and of itself, can be absorbed 
into the bloodstream and cause these headaches and dizziness. And if the concentration increases to a level that can cause harm to you, then that's what's going to happen. So that's what I would suggest. When you feel those symptoms, you need to eject yourself from the workspace and get some fresh air. James, what are some chronic health effects? Well, there's many chronic health effects. As you mentioned in the beginning, welding fumes are considered carcinogenic. Aluminum fumes, for example, they come from the aluminum content in some of the alloys, copper, zinc, and steel. There's a huge long list of chronic effects. There's probably way too many. We could probably do a whole other podcast on these uh, chronic effects, but I'll let Masood continue with his health effects. Thanks, James. So when we talk about chronic health effect, one of the most common metal found in any kind of welding film is iron. We know that when we have too much iron in our body, it gets deposits in different organs of the body, mainly liver, mainly lungs. Uh, And the health condition is called siderosis. This is a benign form of health condition, but if it persists, then it can affect the lung function and lung capacity. It is also a short-lived health condition. If the exposure stops, the effects gets reversed. But if the exposure continues and if the deposition of iron continues in the lungs, then it can have some long-lasting effects on the lung function. The most critical adverse health effect of welding film exposure is the ability to cause different kinds of cancers, mainly lung cancer and uh, eye cancer that is called uh, ocular melanoma. It can also cause kidney cancer in case of if there is cadmium in the fumes. It has been studied by different organizations, mainly International Association for Research on Cancer, which is considered as gold standard when it comes to declare a chemical or, or a physical hazard, a carcinogen or not. They have declared welding fume in 2017 that it is a confirmed lung cancer-causing agent, and it also causes ocular melanoma. Another uh, chronic health effect beside cancer is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is characterized by shortness of breath and chest tightness and and wheeze. When we talk about COPD, the thing is, in scientific studies, the COPD is lumped with smoking, right? We know smoking is one of the main causes of COPD, but it can also be caused by different chemicals and different exposures. We know that. And especially in case of OCA, when we deal with a lot of comp claims for COPD, the board is lenient towards uh, the smoking is is the main cause. And if there is a smoking history, it attributed to smoking, not to the chemical exposure. But here, I just want to emphasize and highlight the point that one cannot attribute it to one exposure. It's both. You know, it's both together, welding fumes, and if there's a history of welding, they both contribute towards COPD. So you cannot just disregard welding fume exposure and say, hey, no, if there's a smoking history, it is caused by smoking or it's both. What do you think, Sonia? We have talked much about cancer effect and uh, metal fume fever, and there is some ambiguity about welding fume causing asthma, but I think it is an important point and, and you seem to be to have done a lot of work on asthma. What do you think about welding fume and asthma? With regards to occupational asthma, this can be caused, as you already stated, Masood, by metals in the welding fume, for example, hexavalent chromium, nickel, and cobalt. Stainless steel welding fume will contain these metals in some types of welding. So occupational asthma symptoms include episodes of severe shortness of breath, wheezing, coughing, chest tightness. It usually involves a latency period for a few months to a few years between first exposure 
to a respiratory sensitizer type thing in the workplace and systems starting. If it becomes an issue where you have become sensitized, then unfortunately it's a case where you should probably remove yourself from welding altogether. I don't mess around when I advise folks um, if they've become sensitized to something. So here's a good point to explain the difference between sensitive and being sensitized. They're completely different. Being sensitized to an agent in the workplace, in this case, welding, means that even a minute exposure, so even if you're a bystander in this case, and you haven't even started welding yet for your shift, as a bystander, you can start having symptoms because you have become sensitized. And these symptoms include what was stated, like the wheezing and the difficulty breathing, shortness of breath. And you don't want to mess around with that. So if you have become sensitized, that means this will be your reaction. And for some, the reaction can be fatal. So you have to speak to your employer. You do have to speak to your doctor. And medically speaking, they will advise you to not put yourself or subject yourself to that environment, if you will, if you've become sensitized. That's if you have sensitivity and you have occupational asthma and you're sensitized to welding fumes. So basically speaking, in in summary, welders with occupational asthma can also develop a short-term reduction in lung function or lung capacity. So this is even seen in welders without asthma. Uh, James, what other health hazards do we have to speak about today? Uh, Let me see what I got that you guys haven't covered yet. So nickel and chromium, they can be released uh, during some welding processes and they can cause allergic contact dermatitis. Also, there's uh, ultraviolet radiation, and this can cause reddening of the skin. So it's like a patch. Your skin gets sunburned. So something similar to that, and that's pretty common. You can get dermatitis from exposure to the nickel. There's also neurological disorders that can come from welding. One of them is uh, Parkinson's-like symptoms due to exposure to manganese. And then there's also exposure to lead that can come from welding. And chronic effects from that can affect the nervous system, kidneys, digestive system, and mental capacity as well. Masood, do you have anything else? Yeah, I just want to briefly mention about uh, UV exposure, ultraviolet radiation exposure, and its effect on the eye. I've mentioned before that it can cause ocular melanoma, which is from UV radiation, but it can also cause inflammation in the upper layer of the eye, which is called cornea. And the condition is technically, it is called uh, conjectivitis, but in easy terms, it is called arc eye. And uh, what it does to the eye is uh, it makes it red, very red and painful and swollen. That's why it's very important to choose and use proper eye protection uh, or the face shield with the proper eyeglass. Beside chemical exposure and health effects, we also want to touch base on some of the physical hazards. Sonia, would you have something for us on you know, hearing loss and noise exposure from welding? Absolutely, Masood. But before I get to that, I just wanted to go back to something that James mentioned that we should highlight here in this podcast, that Parkinson's-like symptoms can occur due to exposure to welding fumes. Is that what you had said, James? Yes. So this is something we're in the field, we know this, but this might be news to some that are listening in because I know this has come up recently, by recently, I would say in the last five to 10 years or eight years, that there is this association of the exposure to the manganese, Parkinson's and welding fumes. Maybe we can talk about it a little bit more because I don't think folks on a day-to-day basis talk about this or know that there is this connection. And by folks, I mean the, the workers themselves. What is it that we know about this? 
if you could dive into it just a little bit more to let us know where is the manganese? What are we doing? What are we welding that causes us to be exposed to the manganese and causes these Parkinson's-like symptoms? As we know that most of the welding is done on like either stainless steel or mild steel or galvanized steel, whatever it is, it is actually an alloy. And uh, alloy has different chemicals. There are main metals and then there are metals and traces. So manganese can be found in substance being welded. And it is mainly found in the uh, consumables or the welding rods used in the welding. And it can be present in, in very high concentrations. Usually it is overlooked, but uh, it is present in the filler materials in high concentrations. When the Parkinson's sets in, the condition is irreversible. Right? It's a neuron damage, right? So that's why it makes it uh, very critical to protect workers from manganese exposure by implementing, to start with, engineering controls, you know, proper, robust uh, local exhaust ventilation, and then using a proper PPE or, or a proper respirator. So, yeah, Parkinson's, I think, is one of the most prominent and studied health effects of welding fumes. Uh, it should be known, I think. Yeah, I just thought we should emphasize it a little bit more. Thanks, Monsieur, just for the clarification and reiteration, because I think it's something that workers should know and we should repeat. And they just keep it in the back of their mind that yeah. this is a possibility. There are some conditions which are reversible, which we have discussed before, right? Some like like mild symptoms like irritation and, mm-hmm. and, and, and whatnot. But this is an irreversible condition, right? And it can make one disabled and make it very, very difficult for a person to carry out day-to-day life routines. And speaking about irreversible, the question you would ask me about noise exposure, we get into noise-induced hearing loss. So welders are often working in noisy environments, be it the large equipment or, or pieces that they work with and they fall to the ground or whatnot. And they carry many noisy operations such as needle scaling and grinding. It is likely a welder by themselves can make enough noise exposure to cause a concern for hearing loss, but they're usually working in groups. And so the combined effect is even worse. And we need to be worried about their exposures to noise. There was an interesting chart regards to noise exposure and welding. It was shared by the health and safety executive. And they state that grinders or grinding itself provides the highest decibels for noise at exposures between 95 to 105 decibels. TIG welding, of all the welding that's out there, and we're going to get into this in other podcasts to come, the various types of welding, but TIG welding or is the lowest emitter of noise. So if you're a TIG welder, I'm not saying you're safe, but your exposures are lower to noise. So to give you an idea of what we meant by uh, 95 to 105 dBA, in our jurisdiction here in Ontario, the exposure limit or the occupational exposure limit is 85 dBA over an eight-hour shift. DBA is the unit. They are the units that are utilized for measuring noise and and the units for our occupational exposure limit. So if we're already at 95 to 100 dBA and you're welding for eight hours, then you have a huge concern with regards to noise exposure because you're over the limit and you have to ensure that you're wearing hearing protection there's a hearing conservation program, you're getting your hearing tested, and that the area is being uh, monitored and, and measured by noise sampling at a given range as per the Occupational Health and Safety Act. It's, it's stipulated therein. The other thing to mention, simultaneous exposures to autotoxicants, which are solvents, 
solvents such as carbon monoxide or adhesives such as xylene, toluene, or styrene, and some chlorinated solvents are also known to cause hearing loss. So exposure to them, obviously not necessarily through the ear canal, but inhaling these or getting exposed to them through the skin can cause hearing loss. Who'd have thought, right? So this is another area that you need to study and that the employer needs to study. And you need to be reviewing those safety data sheets that you're working with um, to ensure that you're also not working with autotoxicants. Yeah, that's a very good point, Sonia. Autotoxicants are usually overlooked, right? And a welder can be exposed to, for instance, solvents when uh, preparing the welding part. You know, you have to clean it uh, very well. It has to be clean from any kind of debris and any paint or anything. So workers are using those kind of solvents all the time. And carbon monoxide is generated whenever you weld. So that's very important uh, because workers are exposed to these chemicals on daily basis. The other item that I was going to add was if you're taking any medication, medication can also be a cause for noise-induced hearing loss. So you want to ask your pharmacist, you want to ask your family doctor if they do have you on any meds, which also contribute to noise-induced hearing loss, and you want to try to get a replacement so you're not affecting your hearing. Masood, what do you have to say about vibration exposure? We haven't touched that yet. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting thing. And thanks for mentioning uh, medication. That's an excellent point. So vibration is another physical hazard welders are suffering from. And the vibration comes from handling and using the welding gun. And it can also come from grinding, which is part of the performing welding because you weld and then you grind and then, you know, clean up the welding spot. It can cause different adverse health effects uh, on your hands, you know, tingling sensation and whatnot. And from this, I want to dive into the working conditions which can pose health risk to the welders. Confined space is found everywhere. Welders weld in tight spots and, uh, you know, confined spaces. If the confined spaces fills up with welding fume gases, what it does is it replaces the oxygen and create an oxygen-deficient environment, and it can ultimately cause lack of oxygen in, in a welder's bloodstream, which can make a welder unconscious, and it can, it can also lead to death in case of severe cases. So it is very important that the welders uh, make sure that wherever they are welding, especially in the confined spaces, the welding fumes are exhausted from that space and they are using a proper respirator to protect themselves. Sonia, would you like to throw some light on uh, the bystander exposure? Sure. Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Bystander exposures, you could be an assembler, for example, and work near a welder and have bystander exposures um, if you're close enough and might as well be given the job title of welder because you have the same exposures. One of the dangers, well, that, that in and of itself is a danger, um, but one of the other dangers is some of the processes that you might be conducting near welding even the welder themselves or their colleagues could cause for other exposures, which could be deadly. And what I'm referring to is degreasing. Degreasing activities should be kept far from welding fumes. I'm talking greater than three feet, maybe even 10 feet. 
to be on the safe side even more than that because the UV in the arc with regards to welding combines with the degreasing fumes and then creates phosgene, which quickly becomes an issue for our lungs and if not rectified, can lead to severe health effects. James, I think you wanted to share with us some of the experiences that you had with a patient file that you worked on under OCAL. Yeah, for sure. So as everyone knows, we're an occupational health clinic. So we see a lot of workers who have a work-related disease or just concerns about exposures in the workplace. So I saw this one worker in particular, and they did have a lot of concerns about some of the exposures from the welding in their workplace. And they did have a number of respiratory symptoms and newly diagnosed with asthma. So in interviewing this worker, she didn't do any welding herself. However, she was in and around welding quite a bit as she was considered to be a laborer, but moving parts from one area to the other. So she could be right next to the welder, gathering parts, putting them in a bin. The welder was wearing some respiratory protection and she was not, but she had a lot of exposure to the welding fumes. That's kind of all I wanted to say about that, just being aware of what's going on around you. All right. Well, Masood, did you have anything to add before we wrap up? I think we have covered it very well. So just wanted to let you know, that's it for this first podcast in the series that we're going to bring to you with regards to welding. And that's it, folks. So stay tuned for more podcasts to come your way and have a great day. Thank you. For more information about this podcast, including show notes and companion materials, go to our website, www.ohcow.on.ca If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast channel to ensure you receive notification of our latest episode. As well, check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for joining us.